Well, hey there, it's episode 360 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Some of you have been waiting for this episode for literally a month. We are entering in part two of our How to Review Your Own Lab Work special. And as I was preparing for today's episode, I thought, hey, why don't we do a part three? You guys loved part one. That was episode 356. In episode 356, we went through covering off your iron patterns, what that means, how to look for it, B12 need. Oh, it's so important that you don't take B12 if you don't need it. (laughs) How to look for parasites, uh, patterns that have been shown to reflect biofilms, and how to run your own labs, why it matters. Today, we're going to be going through more markers. And then this is exciting. Episode 365, that'll be April 19th, mark your calendar, we are going to be going over a sample blood lab. So I'm going to be showing you an entire blood lab. And then I'm going to pretend that you're my client. And we're just going to go through step by step. And I'm going to talk about some of the patterns and some of my suggestions throughout. So definitely mark your calendar for episode 365. That'll be taking place April 19th, where we're going through actual blood labs. So you can see kind of what this looks like and what kind of answers can be gleaned from just basic blood chemistry. So if by listening to today's episode, you're like, huh, what what is she even talking about? Definitely go to part one of this series. That was episode 356. If you're watching this, or rather listening, I always get confused over watching and listening, derp. (laughs) If you're listening to this on YouTube, just go to my Keto Diet Podcast playlist and listen to it there. Or if you're listening to this on your favorite app, just go back to the main page for the Keto Diet Podcast and scroll down to episode 356. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, and heal your body. Starting and maintaining keto can be challenging without the right support. So just for listening to the podcast, I want to give you 20% off the keto beginning with the coupon code Keto Podcast. That's all one word. This 30-day program gives you a clear step-by-step how-to so you can quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. Go to help healthfulpursuit.com slash begin to get your keto beginning discount today. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international bestselling author of The Keto Diet, founder of happyketobody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, let's dive right in. If you don't already have the little freebie that we're using as a guide for today's episode, I shared it in episode 356 also, but you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash labs. And on that page, you can grab the download for today's episode that just goes through all the labs. Well, not all. I mean, there's a very small amount. It just looks like a lot. All the labs that you can request with your medical professional and then how to prepare for those labs. In episode 356, we went through why it's so important to prepare. Um, And we'll cover a little bit more today also. And then you might be wondering like, (laughs) 
how am I supposed to get my doctor to run these labs? I can't even get them to agree to see me. <laughs> I get that a lot. If you're looking for a practitioner to run labs for you, I'm happy to do that. It's one of my favorite things because for many, 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 many years, I wanted to run my labs personally and I couldn't. And I totally understand the pain in all of this. And it's so incredibly powerful to be able to see some of these patterns, understand what's going on in your body, and then assess things. So if that's something that you're looking at and you need that help, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash coaching. And on that page, there's some information there about pulling blood labs and all the things. Okay, so we left off with some of the infection markers, the white blood cells. I just, I just love the CBC with differential. I wanted to go through glucose because, wow, glucose. So I knew that glucose could be influenced by various things, including cortisol, but I had no idea the depth <laughs> that glucose, insulin, HbA1c could go, and also that HbA1c isn't necessarily the best way to determine what's going on with your overall uh, glucose. So I wanted to kind of go through the basics here. So glucose, our body will respond to various things by either increasing glucose, uh, right? So either increasing it or decreasing it. So we have glucagon that actually increases our glucose and then insulin, which will decrease, right? So as insulin is out, it's pushing the glucose into the cells. When there's not enough glucose, we have the glucagon doing the opposite, okay? So that's just very basic. Now we get through the HbA1c. So these numbers aren't gonna be exact, but I hope you catch my drift. Let's say that there's a person that has an average, like every day they're around 120 in their glucose, 120, 120, 120. Their HbA1c is probably gonna be sitting around 5.5 or so, give or take. Now, let's say we have another person that goes from, their glucose goes from 70 to 180 to 60 to 150, down to 65, up to 200. Now, their HbA1c is probably going to be around 5. So standard health practices would say that the second person with the up, down, up, down, up, down was actually had a better HbA1c. But when we look at the studies of all-cause mortality, we start to see that actually the first person that had a steady glucose, even though it was higher, has a better overall less risk factors than the person that was up, down, up, down, up, down. So HbA1c might not be the best way or like the gold standard of determining what's going on with somebody's glucose. If you want a really good picture, a really good marker that I like to run for people that are really concerned about their glucose is Glycomark. I believe only LabCorp does this, so you do need to go with a LabCorp lab. And this gives us a way better indication of glucose variability, and it determines how much time the person spent above 180 milligrams per deciliter. So if they spent time above this, 
then we know that there might be an issue. And if they spent lower, lower than 180, then we know that there might not be an issue, right? So it gives us a better indication of how much time they spent above a certain marker. And in this case, it's 180 milligrams per deciliter. So that gives you a little indication of just the HbA1c and why I don't really like using it as a marker, like a really good marker, though I will use it as kind of an indicator when it's low, when this red flag marker has been shown, like when it's low, uh, generally we start to think, you know, is there blood loss or maybe somebody's doing long-term fasting or they're under eating or perhaps there's infections going on. It can cause quite a lot. Those infections can cause a lot of stress. It lowers the amount of glucose and then it can be shown in there. But I don't really like to use this marker outside of any of that. And I'll usually use glycomark if we think that there's an issue. Now with insulin, it can be a good indicator. Specifically, like I think a lot of people think that insulin should be like, if it's zero, great, less insulin. Yes, but we really want there to be quite a tight limit on insulin. I like to see it around three to like six, maybe seven but less than three, we still do have concerns. And we start to think that perhaps a low-carb diet isn't absolutely necessary. I've worked with many women with hormone issues and just overall like flatlining, their energy is no good, their fatigue is really high. And then we run their insulin and it's sitting at like 1.5 or 2 that's too low. And that tells us that their low carb diet may not be necessary. So if you see that in your own labs as you're listening today, and we're kind of going through things and you're like, wait, maybe I do need a a little bit more carbohydrates. That can be a really good indicator. Then we look to glucose. So we want glucose kind of in this happy range where glucagon is not being stimulated and insulin is not being stimulated. That happy range varies depending on the person. It's usually around like 73-ish, 75-ish, up to like 89-ish, 82-ish. Okay, so if it's in between that range of like 73 to 92 or sort of within that, we're like, okay, nothing's being stimulated, everything's good. Now this marker, in addition to our our insulin marker, it's so incredibly important to be fasted. So on that download that I've prepared for you that you can get access by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash labs indicates on there that you should be arriving to all of your blood labs fasted a minimum of 14 hours. Now I say minimum of 14 hours for like standard people, but y'all are like keto people and probably you're like, well, if 14 hours is better then 24 is even greater. There comes a point where too much fasting, specifically when preparing for a test, isn't always the best thing. So I like to say, like, just pick a number, whether it's 14 hours or 16 hours, and just commit to that every time you do a blood lab so it's always the same. So it's really important to be fasting when you're pulling your glucose or insulin unless your doctor wants to test you having had food. In these crazy times we're in, stress and anxiety are at an all-time high. You know, I wonder if everyone in every generation has said that. While there are many great natural supplements to support anxiety and stress, the one that's helped me the most is CBD oil. CBD has tons of other benefits as well, such as sleep support, clearing acne, reducing inflammation, and so much more. By now, everyone's heard of CBD oil. While some people swear by it, other people have 
have not seen the results that they were hoping for. And this bums me out big time. That's where Eaton Hemp comes in. Their unfiltered USDA certified organic full spectrum CBD oil is minimally processed and infused in their own hemp seed oil, giving you the full entourage effect, maximum absorption, potency, effectiveness, which means results. Whether you place the tincture under your tongue or use the salve on sore muscles, that's my personal favorite, CBD can and should work for you. And if it's not, you're not using the right product. Not only does Eaton provide one of the cleanest CBD products on the market today, but they pride themselves on transparency. Eaton Hemp is farmer owned and strongly believes in whole plant nutrition. That's why they leave the CBD unfiltered so all the elements of the hemp plant can work in unison. Eaton Hemp is so confident in the results that their CBD will give you that they offer a full 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't satisfied with their product, they're going to refund you with no questions asked. As a special podcast only offer, you can save 25% on all Eaton Hemp products and still get your full money back guarantee. Head on over to eatonhemp.com slash keto diet. Use a code keto diet at checkout. Again, that's eatonhemp.com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet for 25% off. So let's go through some of the reasons why it might be high or low. And I think one of my most favorite glucose patterns, like it's just so good, is when glucose is actually low. I see this a lot with my clients where it's sitting around like 70 and they come all proud, like, look at me, my glucose is so awesome. That's not necessarily a good thing. So let's go through a pattern that I really like seeing and I've seen quite consistently. So this is where glucose is low. And then we think, okay, well, is it being pulled down low uh, due to cortisol? specifically when we have low cortisol and mitochondria. So then we look to our adrenal markers, aka our electrolytes. We have sodium, potassium, and chloride being the the big kahunas. Generally, I will see sodium pulling low with potassium pulling high. And when we see that coupled with a low chloride, this pattern has been shown to reflect a mitochondrial dysfunction and or an adrenal hypofunction, specifically when paired with low glucose. So why is the glucose low? Probably because the adrenals are totally tanked. Now the opposite to this can happen too, where glucose is actually high, generally around the like 95, 96, up to like 99, 100 or so. Well, we start to think, okay, well, is it high because we're eating too many carbs? Probably not. So then why is it high? Why are we having this issue? Then we started to think acute stress and adrenal hyperfunction. So then again, we look to our adrenal markers and generally we'll see sodium pulling high and potassium pulling low. Now you might be thinking like, what does she mean by pulling? So sodium and potassium, like I was talking about in preparation for tests, the sodium potassium pump is so important and it's important that these two are balanced. So if you see sodium at the bottom of its range and potassium at the top of its range, so Sodium is pulling low and potassium is pulling high. And opposite to that, if you see potassium at the bottom of its range and sodium at the top of its range, then sodium is pulling high and potassium is pulling low. So that can give us an indication 
of overall adrenal function. And these red flag markers have been shown to reflect either adrenal hyperfunction or adrenal hypofunction. And what I love about chloride is it's kind of like the nail in the coffin. So if you're just not sure, then we look to chloride. So if chloride is high on the high end, then we know that we're probably dealing with more of an adrenal hyperfunction situation. Now, conversely, if we see that the chloride is pulling low, then we know that we're probably dealing with some adrenal hypofunction. Now, again, this is a more complicated pattern. It's probably one of the more complicated that I've shared with you because it involves quite a few markers. You know, we talked about glucose, either being high or low, sodium, high or low, potassium, high or low, chloride, high or low. And this is really the art of blood chemistry and understanding that there's multiple patterns and it all feeds into each other. So it's not necessarily like your sodium is low, therefore it is X right? And that's more of a diagnostic approach. And we don't want that. What we're trying to see is what is the body saying? What song is it putting together with these various markers? And what can we use in this information? How can we put together a protocol that's going to benefit the body based on the things that it's telling us? Another really, really fun, like super easy one that I really like to see. And just when I say like to see, I just, I really enjoy actually finding areas of improvement. So if you're one of those people who have gone to multiple doctors and you feel like something's wrong and you keep being told your labs are normal, everything's normal, everything checks out, it's actually quite nice (laughs) to work with somebody. And when I work with my clients and I send them their messages and we go through things and I'm like, yeah, these red flag markers have been shown to reflect this and that and this and that and this and that. And what do you think? What's resonating? And they're just so incredibly relieved to finally have somebody be like, yeah, there are imbalances here that we can fix as opposed to I see nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. And diagnostically, praise God, there's nothing wrong. And there's all these little tweaks we can work on to help you feel functionally better. So another really good one to look for is your albumin. And this is like the KO of all markers. If this albumin is out, then most of your labs are garbage. And this is why it's so incredibly important to prepare for your labs properly. In episode 356, when we were talking about how to prepare for labs, we talked about the benefit of making sure that you are well hydrated and you take electrolytes at least two days before the test. And we are going to see whether or not you prepared for these labs properly by the albumin. So some practitioners will say if the albumin is above five, then the labs need to be re-ran. But I I tend toward the 4.8. If albumin is over 4.8, then you need to rehydrate and do the labs again. Now, sometimes my clients will say, Leanne, I prepared for the labs totally perfectly. I did everything you said. I had all the water. I did all the electrolytes. There's no way that the albumin should be high. This can happen. In fact, it happens to me um, having had uh, a chronic mold issue. Oftentimes mold can, well, not oftentimes, most times mold or living in mold can cause dehydration. So no matter how much water you drink, you're still dehydrated and it will show up in your albumin. And sometimes your hematocrit also being elevated can be a sign of dehydration. 
So if that's the case and you're living in mold or you've prepared properly for the test and you're like, there's no way that I should be dehydrated and you still are, number one, mold, and number two, the mitochondria. We talked about that previously, but if your mitochondria are imbalanced, um, unhealthy mitochondria will lead to dehydration. So if you're saying, I prepared perfectly for this test, I have no idea why my albumin is sitting at five, that could potentially be why either a mitochondrial issue, which you can confirm by looking at uh, the sodium potassium that we just were talking about and that chloride or a potential mold issue. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've actually used this albumin to be like, hmm, you prepared for the test properly. Let's go through some of your symptoms. Do you see water damage in your home? Let's look behind all your sinks and all the things. And sure enough, there's mold in their home. And so this can be a really, really good indicator of some of the action steps that we can take and get more curious about what could be going on. I think one of the last pieces that I want to share with you, because it's just, uh, Oh, it's such a good marker. I know I say say that about every marker, don't I? I just really, really love what I do. It's globulin. Now, some of your tests might not have globulin in here. A lot of labs won't display it. But if you have a protein total and your albumin, all you have to do is do protein total takeaway albumin equals globulin. And globulin is makes up all your immunoglobulins throughout your entire body. So you've maybe heard of IgG or IgA. A or IgE or IgM. There's also sex hormone binding globulin. You've maybe heard of that if you are in the hormone space trying to work on your hormones. So globulin, if it is low, it has been shown to reflect the immune system being drained, specifically if we see uh, low lymphocytes and low white blood cells and or it's also been shown to reflect leaky gut and digestive distress. Specifically, the digestive distress pattern, sometimes it will come with a higher bun, so something to look for, and also it might come with a higher uh, basophils. So why I love this globulin marker so much is when uh, my clients have digestive distress, maybe they're bloated all the time, they go from constipation to diarrhea, like their gut rules their life. Usually their globulin will be around like 1.8, 1.9, like super low, down and out. Now, if that's also coupled with an immune system, you know, drainage, uh, which can definitely, it's not like, again, one marker doesn't mean one thing and one thing might not be the only thing going on. It's very, very, very likely that when a red flag marker like globulin is decreased, though it's been shown to reflect immune system being drained or leaky gut digestive distress, it could be both, okay? So I do have a couple of clients that have both of those patterns going on, all feeding into globulin. And so I think a big issue, and we see this right now a lot with the immune system, like strengthen your immune and do all this stuff with immune. And I, ugh, it frustrates me a little bit because there's so much more to the immune system than just taking zinc and vitamin D, okay? For example, one of the understandings of vitamin D is that there's multiple types of vitamin D, right? There's two basic types of vitamin D, and we usually just run one of them. And that one could look high, but the other one could look low because we don't have enough magnesium or we're not converting it. And so it can be really important, and we lose sight of the importance of things when we're just running one marker and saying, 
yep, you're good, vitamin D good, but we don't think to run the other one, specifically if we're having symptoms. Like if you're having vitamin D deficiency symptoms and we run your vitamin D and it's sitting at 60 and we're like, okay, well, that can't be it. Well, it could be the other vitamin D. And so there's more to the immune system than just, are you taking enough vitamin D and zinc? And in fact, I've seen this pattern a lot lately is that people are taking like massive amounts of zinc and not enough copper or not any copper and it's actually throwing off that balance and they're actually getting copper deficiency symptoms because zinc and copper act on a seesaw and if you take more and more zinc it's going to drain more and more copper and though it's not healthy to have super high copper it's also not good to have super low and so the immune system and just the overall function if there is a concern there, there will usually show up with the globulin being low and other red flag markers, including a low lymphocyte, generally your low lymphocyte absolute being low, in addition to a low white blood cell count. So I really, really like that marker because it's really the best one that we have for determining a leaky gut and just overall digestive distress. Now, I want to end on, you know, speaking a little bit more about globulin to talk a little bit more about the art of blood chemistry. And this part is a lot, but bear with me. Keto flu, impossible fasting symptoms that stop you mid-fast, cravings at any hour of the day, or feeling off after a sweaty workout, these are some of the signs that you're low in electrolytes. When I first started keto, I made all of the mistakes. One of the biggest ones was not supplementing with electrolytes, and still, seven years into keto, I often forget how essential electrolytes are. Honestly, it's easy to forget to take electrolytes because, well, a lot of them don't taste very good or work very well. Enter Element, the most delicious, well-balanced electrolyte powder I've personally tried, like ever. Add to water and enjoy any time of day. These electrolytes are salty, as they should be, quenching your thirst and hitting the spot. And the best part, when you head to drinklmnt.com slash KDP, you'll receive a free Element sample pack. You only pay $5 for shipping. The sample pack includes eight packets of Element that includes two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash KDP for your free sample pack. I love Element and I really think you're going to too. Again, that's drinkelement.com forward slash KDP to get your free sample pack. And if you don't love it, they will refund your $5, no questions asked. So in the case of globulin, this is really interesting. We can actually have globulin look normal. It could be sitting at 2.5 and we look at that and we're like, yes, this is so great. It's awesome. It's a normal marker. And this is the issue with a lot of functional blood chemistry programs and students that are just learning. And I know I did this for a really long time. You see a normal marker and you move on. But markers can actually be pulled low and high at the same time, which means that they're going to look normal when they aren't. So let's just say, for an example, with globulin, we've talked about how 
a low lymphocyte and white blood cell can feed into an immune system being drained. Okay, so let's say that the patterns in the lab show a low lymphocyte and low white blood cell. So you get down to globulin and you're totally thinking this globulin is going to be tanked. It's going to be at least at a two, maybe even lower. And you get there and it's sitting at a 2.5. And you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. When I start to think that doesn't make any sense, when I'm looking through labs, generally what I'll do is I'll start looking through a client's labs and I'll start guessing what the next marker is going to be. And if that marker is not what I think it is, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And I go back and I flag it because a 2.5 globulin with somebody that has low lymphocytes and low white blood cells doesn't make any sense. So then we start thinking, well, what's pulling it high? because it can totally be pulled high while it's being pulled low. Some really common things that I see pulling globulin up while it's also being pulled down is chronic infection, okay? A big one for that is pathogenic infections, uh, specifically parasites, chronic viral infections, chronic bacterial, like if you have H. pylori, you know that the H. pylori should be affecting your gut and you know that there's digestive distress and you totally expect that when you go to that globulin, it's gonna be sitting at 1.9 and then it's not. It could be that that H. pylori is actually pulling it up at the same time as pulling it down. And so that's just, that is the art of blood chemistry to really understand what what can be pulled high and low, what are the influences of that. Not all markers are like that, but I hope that this introduction and the list that I provided of the labs you can ask your medical professional for starts up a conversation around this. I hope to provide more resources on this in the future. It is quite a lot. I'm looking at uh, preparing a couple of programs to really go through labs with you and show you all the markers and show you all the levels. So if that's something that you'd be interested in, please hit me up on Instagram and give me a thumbs up just to know. Um, it is a lot of work to educate you guys on how to do this. But if you already feel empowered hearing this information, maybe for the first time, I know when I first heard this, I was like, what, what? what? <laughs> you can do that? Um, so if that's you, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Leanne Vogel and be sure to grab your lab document. You can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash labs to sign up for that and you will receive that PDF that I've put together that includes all of the markers you can ask for and then how to prepare for your labs properly. So like I said, we will be coming back here, of course, next Tuesday. I'll totally see you next Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be talking about wine next week, actually, in episode 361. But I will be back here on Tuesday, April 19th. That's episode 365. If you like this series that we're doing on how to read your blood work, feel free to mark your calendar for April 19th. I'll be back here and I'm going to include a new PDF and we're going to go through those labs like you're my client. I'm just going to pretend that you're my client on the other side of the podcast and we're going to go through those labs. You can really see all of this come to life as we go through a sample lab so you can kind of see what functional blood chemistry can do and kind of those patterns and to really encourage you to start off on this journey if this is something that you're interested in. As always, if you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. All these links will be in the show notes as they always are. And then if you are looking for somebody 
to work with or you need labs ran or you just want to get in contact with me that way, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash coaching for more information. So go ahead, re-listen to episode 356 and I will see you April 19th for episode 365 where we'll go through more blood work and of course, like I said, I will see you next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye! Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. Know that I'm a